we're very lucky on this podcast to do the live tastings that we're able to do. But I've always been a huge fan of the Big Eddie series, and this is my dream come true right now. So oh this recipe, I mean, this, the original cherry Doppelschwartz recipe. Uh, this is. Jim I'm a very humble person. <laughs> <laughs> that just made it. That just wow. made it. 2019 blooper. Oh, oh, Thank shit. You. Yo, that's the uh, that's that's the cold open right <laughs> there. Cold, cold open, blooper reel, everything combined. Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover podcast. We're here for part two of our supersized interview with Miller Valley Brewing and Kane Escobar. We're sitting down and finishing off this Tap Takeover and finishing off this live tasting. We had more questions. You know, it's, that's what it came down to. When you're dealing with a large brewery like Miller Valley, with who even are the owners now? It's Miller Coors, but there's also... It, it's uh, Molson Coors. So, Molson Coors. Yep. There's a lot going on with Miller, with the parent company, but uh, there's also a lot going on with this small pilot brewing that you guys are doing so uh tell us about tell us about this beer that we're drinking and tell us about how it is to work at miller because everybody knows the stories sure but i don't think it's like that anymore but you said there's still maybe some aspects no, of the it, wild it, west it, it, yes the wild west definitely has changed become modernized goddamn osha uh, <laughs> right let me tell you what you guys are drinking so you're drinking a 2012 Russian Imperial that was aged in uh, Heaven Hill burn barrels. Oh, man. This is the Big Eddie's recipe. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, this, you're like, this, this, this tastes this familiar, familiar, right? Yep. You're talking I'm, to four big fans of the Big Eddie series. Good. Well, good. By, so, by the way, if Dick is listening to this, <laughs> Dick, bring this back. Thank you. Yeah, it was very very sad for them to take that off. To me, that was kind of like Liney Street cred. I hear rumors that it hasn't been completely squashed. It's kind of just on the back burner. No, it's, it's been retired, according it, to Dick. Well, it, it may come back. There's there's talk. So who knows? I mean, well, it's a fantastic beer. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. This is. I think there needs to be some changes to the recipe to make it a little bit more modern. A lot of oatmeal's in the modern stouts. The the mellow out the kind of sure. bitterness. And the uh, alcohol, which you are a master at hiding alcohol. <laughs> so hopefully you're involved with any uh, revitalization of the Big Eddie series. Well, you hit some alcohol in this. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah, is yeah. this? Because it doesn't seem like it's... Uh, let's see. This is the 2012. So this one's uh, 10.6. What are you trying to do to us? <laughs> oh, boy. This is fantastic. I, I love this. It's not hot. Super smooth. Great nose. I mean, it has everything that I love in these aged beers. It's Actually, hold fantastic. on. Is this the barrel age? The, yes. You mean the bourbon? Yes, yeah. the, the bourbon's yeah. actually 11.2. This is great. It just does not come off hot. It is just amazing. Yeah. Really smooth. I completely disagree with Jim. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Because really? there's some of that sharpness from the old no, school RS. No, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with Jim school, as well. Barely non-adjunct. Especially when you're RSs. talking about six years later, you, you have no idea what that original beer tasted like, Jim. I would definitely. I'd put this up against you know any any special release barrel aged Russian imperial stuff that's being released 
right now. This thing is fantastic. Yeah. This is really well done, and and the barrel aging on this. What, how long was this in the barrels? Yeah, this one's two and a half months. It's going back to your whole like it just needs a couple months, right? Did, just to yeah. keep fight with a lot of a lot of the guys what? that I know that do the barrel aging for that fact that you know they feel like they need to put it in there, and it, again, it's all about balance, you know. To me, if you're putting a beer in a barrel, you're only accenting the beer. You're not. You know, if I wanted whiskey, I'd go buy a bottle of whiskey. You know, I don't want my beer to taste like complete booze. I want a beer that's balanced, but it's highlighted by what it's put into. What do you what do you what do you think adding something or leaving this in the barrels longer would do to it? Really, I mean, because we've had some pretty good beers that were oh, like no, no, the sure. left in the barrels. Uh, no, I, I, I agree ages. with that. I agree with that. I, I have had some, and you'll you'll try the uh, cherry dop, which was in for like three and a half, almost four years. So that's the art part, right? So. It's really a balance of your taste buds and how you're blending it. So I'm I'm 100% one of those guys that I will blend to make a balanced product. So if I pull something out and it's not balanced, you sure as hell know that I'm going to pull the original base. I always have a safety net. I always keep some base. I always keep the original base to blend that down, to balance it out. You have to. Well, and that is the art that goes into brewing is that blending to make sure that the beer you're producing is the best it can be. Yeah, exactly. Individual barrels just generally do not turn out as nope. well as you would like. They do not. Okay, so that beer that was aged for three years plus. Yep. So you did the whole tasting thing throughout the whole process. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, th- I guess that's what I'm wondering. It's like why? So, why is so, it, why so is that this? one that one's got a different story though. Okay, tell uh, us the story. You want, that, you, well, you want the story now? Or you well, want to taste it? Probably pour it up. All right. It sounds like a good idea. This is hugs and kisses. So this is a yep 2014 brandy barrel aged cherry apple shorts. I love how Steve's most favorite beers are like the biggest. Most barrel-aged beers. (laughs) I know, right? I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah, I really like Steve. This is a weird beer. When they were starting to do the demo of the bakery at the uh, 10th Street Brewery, we went over there, and they were cleaning house, and they had just a stack of barrels that were filled with cherry doppelschwartz. And so I have good rapport with the guys over there. And I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? They're like, we're going to have to just dump them all. I'm I'm like, What? I'm like, no, 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 no. Do interplant transfer, send them over to my place. So I collected all these barrels, just had a, just a stack of them. And so we did through them out. I just tasted every single barrel. Some were already kind of not so good. So it's yeah. instant dump. There was others I can play around with. So then I took those, aseptically filtered them into a tank, and then did kind of a secondary on uh, Dora County Sour Cherries. Finished them okay, off on so that. this wasn't originally a cherry beer. No, it, that was uh, that was the secondary. Yes. You know what? It's it actually sounds like very similar to we just walked with Revolution Brewing, mm-hmm. and uh, they do their Sanctuary series where okay. if they have a barrel that goes bad, they'll they'll rejuvenate that, they'll uh, bring it back to life in their Sanctuary series, and and with something else, they'll they'll age it in something else, sure. and that'll be a new kind of thing. That it sounds a lot like what you guys did here, uh, where it was kind of like rejuvenating a, a beer that was maybe going bad, and, and uh, well well. Not so much, no, because I, I nitpicked every single barrel and tasted each one. And so it had to meet my criteria before I even said, yes, it's going to go in my tank. I'm going to even move forward with it. So, I mean, even from the start, I have an idea of what I'm going to be doing with it. This is absolutely blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this 
this is more than it could ever be. So we, we have this stashed away in the cooler. Sometimes I'll bring out some bottles now and again, and Steve yells at me. He's always, you know, playing the mom. He's like, no, don't put that out. No, it's ours. It's ours. It's for <laughs> special occasions. It's like the Holy Grail sitting in our cooler. This is really fantastic. Uh, a cherry double Schwartz. Uh, you're talking about a, a dark beer. Uh, to begin with, so it's got uh, some of those roasted flavors, mm-hmm. some of those chocolate flavors, but not to the extent of like a stout oh, or a porter. Not, yeah. But uh, you know, so it plays better with the cherry. The cherry is really upfront on this one. The cherry yes. is kind of the star of the show. But I also want to go back to something you said, which we say balance. Man, that balance is amazing because I'm trying. It's just that little bit of tartness, that yes. little bit of sweetness, oh, yeah. just that that malt backbone it's just a fantastic beer that's absolutely right the 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 base actually had already a nice little sweetness to it and so we're like well obviously we're not going to add some more sweet you know more sweetness so let's go with a sour to kind of balance that out so and we we do a lot of bench tops actually so we'll take a portion and maybe kind of do maybe a little small corny keg or a little beaker size sample and do our little experiments on the side to justify, oh yeah, we should probably we should probably do this. But I mean, you're doing things that that a lot of craft breweries aren't doing here as well. Since you're taking different different styles of beer, and you're you're adding different flavor profiles to them. Like a lot of a lot of the craft breweries are going to take the IPAs and and the Imperial Stouts and add different flavor profiles. But the Schwartz beer and tonic beer, I mean. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it was like working draft had that had that, the, yes, that yes. red. Yeah, or it's like a Central Waters yeah. takes an Oktoberfest and, and barrel ages it. You know, like that, that kind of crazy experimentation. Yeah, we, we've done some cool stuff. We actually did a um, Vienna-style Mexican lager with passion fruit, and then I put it in tequila barrels. <laughs> I wish I had some for you guys, but that was earlier this year. It's called Latin Passion. So something like that, where does it go? I mean, you just made a smaller batch of it, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. So uh, so, kind of our, our beer has a couple homes of where it ends up. Consumer studies, um, sales samples. Uh, it goes to the requester. So if they have specific a- analyticals they got to run, stuff like that, it'll go specifically to that requester. It goes to some of the select breweries. So if they need to eventually run a trial for it, they'll get some product to uh, kind of flavor match and uh do that portion of it along with nutritional so yes it is going to the government uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> um, and then festivals you know so a lot of the fun stuff you'll see it at the festivals special events things of that nature and then drain that's kind of kind of disheartening i mean you will brew maybe 10 barrels or something and a requester may only need 15 cases well the rest is in, down the drain that's uh, wow. na- nature of the bit you know and you know, the name of science, right? It's right. the nature of the business, but it's a reality thing. And then, of course, our, you know, our, our beer fridge over here is uh, fully stocked at work. But So where can people follow you and find out what beer festivals you're at? Oh, yeah. So, again, with the Black Ops thing, we, we exist, but we don't exist. Oh, uh, you just show up. <laughs> like, like the radar. You, you have to actually check with the beer festival itself to you, see you if gotta, you show you gotta up know, on the menu. you got to know a guy that knows a guy. Well, we know a guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> No, so I am. I am hoping we'll we'll see. We'll see what marketing lets me do. I am hoping to maybe do kind of like a Facebook page, just to kind of give people a heads up. Hey, we're going to this festival. We're going to be in Illinois. We're going to be here. So that's kind of the hope. But right now, the the only thing kind of out there, social media wise, that 
says anything about us is uh, untapped. That's about it. So it's really the festivals themselves. I mean, you went to 22 yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every festival in the anything, southeast Anything region. local, yeah. I mean, if it's local <laughs> Milwaukee, like in the general area, you'll always see me there. I, I know that was my very first question to you is, like, how do you work this many beer festivals? It's got to be hard for you personally. Uh, yeah, it's it's oh, rough. Yeah, I mean, Oprah moment here. I know, right? The, <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the, the Doctor Phil. Yeah, the the dog definitely hates me at home. I love what I do. It's my passion, my drive, my business. You know, it's me as a professional. So it's kind of kind of all folds all together. And 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 when that's your only opportunity to uh, present it to the public, the, you got to really you know again, relish well, again, that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Right? When you're passionate and you. You know, you're happy about your product, and it means a lot to you. You put your heart and soul into it. You, you, know, you want to showcase it. You want to let people enjoy it. Does you no good sitting in the cooler, right? So <laughs> Or down the drain. Or down the drain. So what uh, festivals did you hit in Illinois, and what are what are on your hopes and dreams for next year as far as the festival season goes? I hit the Chicago Beer Classic. That was fun, besides running two shifts by myself and 90 degree weather partially getting heat stroke uh yeah that was cool but um <laughs> or not they're not but it, no it was good being on soldier field you know it was pretty fun i've done uh two of them at the museum so rare and wild beer fest and then uh, uh there was another one at the museum which was it was a blast i mean it, those are always so much fun being in a museum yep. you know being able to see the exhibits and near you know, people drinking beer near the zoo the yeah King near zoo. the zoo exactly yeah so that, that that was very fun those have you know i think i probably only hit like three or four in Illinois. Before we ended for the first episode, leading in the second, you said you had some cool stories just being in here. Can you tell us some of those? Oh, man. Cool, funny, or suck days, or what? Oh, all all oh, of the above. All of the above. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus, we have too many. Well, suck to days is today yeah. with hanging out with us. <laughs> oh, <which, laughs> Jim. Too, 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 many, too many to tell. I do, well, actually, I do have three that pop to mind. Like, do it. Instantly, right away. So. Nice. It, and we should drink the last one as we do this. I think we should as well. So it's going to go. All right. What's our story, beer? It's going to be a poop story, an IED story, <laughs> and a caustic story. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, we got the so, full gambit. The full cool gambit. Loud. <laughs> so Door County cherries are awesome. Yeah. I think I'm going to. So two of these actually have our, uh, our temporary employee that we had once upon a time. No longer works with us. Um, two of them involve him. <laughs> two. <laughs> two of them. Two, two of them. So you know they're good. Oh. Um, so let, let's just start with the caustic story. So Steve Steve told me to make sure I tell this one. So <laughs> All right. So I, yeah. So we, Steve we gotta, approved. Steve approved. I like Steve. Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, why you know it here? Why is Steve um, not here? So, so we had this guy that was working as a temp for us. He was not doing a great job, and so he got chemicals on him a couple times. Oh, yeah, well, well, chemicals on you. On him, yes. So Steve, Steve told him at one point, if you get caustic on yourself again, you're not going to be able to work down here. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Time out. How, how, how many chances do you get with caustic? Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. It gets, it gets better. You it gets really, can we give some to Jim? <laughs> you really are well, like a microbrewer. I know better. You have fun with caustic. <laughs> So so, so so we tell this guy, we're like, all right, if you get caustic on yourself again, you're not going to be able to work down here. We're not going to be able to have this. <laughs> liability. Uh, exactly. We have a liability. So he's like, okay. Or your skin, you know. Well, yeah. So he's like, okay, all right, let, let, fine. So we give him a task. We're like, go CIP those tanks. So Steve walks past his office, kind of does a double take. This guy is just drenched. And he goes up to him. He's like, what happened? 
He's like, uh, uh, I was sweating. <laughs> he goes, wow. He goes, That's a lot of sweat. He goes, he goes, did you get caustic on yourself? He's like, no, I was CIPing and I was sweating. And he's, he's like, just like, just took the freaking safety shower and he's completely drenched. And we're like, okay, yeah, you were sweating. Sure. And we just continue our day and we're like, Jesus Christ. Sweating as much Li- as a Liability. Shower. Liability. <laughs> That's crazy basic. That shit eats organic material, right? Which is why you so clean you, in place. Yes. Yeah, so why there's a clean in place. And when you're not safe around it and you don't know how to operate, you shouldn't be using it. So. So yeah, so that that was that was kind of one of our oh boy moments. The second one leading to him as well, un- unnamed, um, is is the IED story, um, where it was his last day and same guy, same dude, oh. same dude, oh, last oh, day, yeah. and same guy, uh, last dude. Last day. I don't want you, you or Steven. I want this guy. <laughs> Cut the strings on a Friday. You know, you're going yeah. home for the weekend. Yeah. Don't come oh, back. His last day is Friday. Yep. So his this his Friday? like tomorrow. <laughs> No, no, this 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 is a while ago. So his, his game plan for that day was like, hey, here's some some dirty yeast canisters, still half full of yeast, you know, go take care of these, clean them, whatever. And so we have a cleaning trough where we put all our canisters, and you know, someone from our small side usually you know, runs them to the washer and cleans them and all that. And so we had this gal working for us as a temp at that time. And so this was a Friday that we told them to do this. So last day, all right, bye, so long, hurrah. The canisters were left in the trough. Next week, I don't even remember, it, it was probably midweek. She comes in, is, is getting ready to clean canisters, and the pressure relief was never relieved. So what happens to yeast? Oh, boy. It, it starts they? expanding and fermenting and, it, yeah, and producing gas. So a little bomb was created, and instead of thinking, oh, yeah, I should probably, you know, release the relief on here, she went ahead and just took off the lid. And it like geysered up twenty, like or hit our twenty foot ceiling. Oh, geysered shit. all the That's way to the tall ceiling. Geysered, yeah. geysered all the way to the top. Made its way around the wall into our small side <laughs> brewery. <laughs> it was just all over the place. I mean, I, oh, I mean um, the guys, the guys that work work in beer and no yeast be- <laughs> yeast baths are not fun. So this stuff was everywhere. So the whole second half of the day, she was just hosing off the ceiling because it was everywhere. <laughs> That was that was that was our little yeast IED that was planted. Pose and test, right? <laughs> yeah, no joke. Wow. I mean, I mean that just one. You know, I'm actually surprised she was actually able to open it. I with was that shocked much pressure, as well, right? Yeah. Because uh. at some point you're yanking on that, going, "What the hell's going on?" You think yeah, they, I, I don't know, but uh, you, you figured <laughs> it would have clicked, right? But no. So it exploded, and there you go. Oh, oh man. So oh, man. you got another one? I got the last one. Uh, before we get into the next story, let's right. talk about the beer we're right. drinking. So you, so you guys had a 2015 or 2012 Russian Imperial, right? This is the 2015 Russian Imperial yeah. that we put into bullet rye barrels. Barrel-aged bullet rye barrels. Yeah. Got a little bit of spiciness in there. Definitely the, the sharpness is down on this from the 2012. Really? Funny enough, yeah. I feel the sharpness is higher, and I don't know if it's due to the rye. So do I. Uh, or the There's batch. There's spiciness the fi- from the rye. The, fif- no. the 15 and the 12... When we tasted the bases, the 15 had a little more of a sharp bite to it. Yeah, I think, I it's think it has rye. more of a bite. Yeah, yeah, for I, sure. I agree with you. I think it's the it's the rye. I, I'm drinking them both uh, side by side right now, and um, the, the the 2012 is it's very soft and uh, it is. It's got a, a fruit forward flavor. You know, some of those dark fruits are coming forward. With the uh, with the latter one, it's definitely the rye. It's all oh, yeah. about oh, that. Right. It's yeah. That, 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 there's that a huge amount spice. spicy, you know, yes. rye a lot kind of rye. Of flavor is is fully prevalent. But it's still balanced. 
It really is. Yeah. It's still very Again, balanced. one to two months. Yeah. No, it's a great beer. It's very balanced. But, yeah, I get that little bit of a... It's just a little spicy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little... Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and this is the last one. So, uh, all right. Yeah, I know. I think uh, we're uh, ready for well, this well, last I'm sh- story. I'm sure I can always dig something out, but... <laughs> the poop story. At this, point, poop we can drink story. We, at this point, we can drink stuff room temperature. It does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everything's in the cooler. We're good to go. Yeah. So, so I got to give all the credit to Steve on this. Speaking of room temperature, yeah. let's hear that poop story. <laughs> You're responsible for the poop story, Steve. Yeah, Steve, yeah. Steve is responsible for the poop story, and then the aftermath is just phenomenal. Are you absolutely sure you can tell this story? Oh, I, I can tell this because it's All not right. actual poop. All no. Right. So we, we were we were we were dropping yeast one day from our from our fermenters, and so one was just I mean just plugged. I could not we could not unplug this tank, and we put counter pressure and everything. We finally got the plug to come out, and it was probably like maybe a six inch plug oh, of yeast. And hot material and tube, just compacted. I mean, just solid. And so we're looking at it, and we're like, "You know what that looks like?" And we're like, "Yep, I know what that looks like." Okay. So he picks it up with a sheet of paper, <laughs> places it right next to the toilet in our in our. Pro- so we have our own little <laughs> private bathroom down in Pilot. So places it right next to the toilet in our private bathroom. And so we're hoping we're hoping someone someone from the shift is is going to walk in. It couldn't have been any better. Right, here comes our boss coming down oh, down the hallway, and we're like, "Oh, geez." He walks in, and we're looking at each other. We're like, "Oh shit, is this gonna happen? Is this gonna, oh, oh man! All right, it's gonna be any better." So then, all of a sudden, our boss walks out, kind of with a, with a pause, starts walking towards us. He's like, "I don't know who did it. Someone took crap next to the toilet, and I'm not picking it up." <laughs> he's like, "I'm not calling the you know our cleaning guy." He's like, "I'm not calling him and telling him this happened." Leave it for third shift. <laughs> <laughs> We have people. Well, well, my, my, my favorite part, and, and without, without to say names, is Steve goes, oh, yeah, so-and-so just came out of there. It's like, oh, man, just throw him out of the bus. He's like, what? Really? No. It's a yeast plug. Calm down. But it looks so real. It was great. You guys have such a good time, man. Yeah, well, you it's know, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good camaraderie down here, and it is, you know, you were asking about the old days. And so when you talk about them, and you've got a, little, a lot of old-timers talking about the Miller the good old Miller old days when uh, Philip Morris ran ran the show, <laughs> Big Tobacco, um, right? Big Tobacco running yeah, big, big, big beer. beer. Yeah, exactly. You you had you had one guy's sole job was to go around the break rooms and stock the fridges with beer and the uh, whatever cigarette holders with cigarettes. That was that was his job, and people would come off their shift or go on break. They'd you know slam a beer or two and go back to work. And so it's kind of, you know, you think about it in today's mindset, it's like, oh, my God, that's, that's not acceptable. That's, that's weird. So it, it is, it is a, a weird realm. And so we're probably as good as it gets to the good old days. I mean, we're, we're both advanced uh, trained panelists, so we'll go upstairs and, and do advanced panel. Um, we taste our products when we need to. So if something's like, hey, you know, in question, you know, we should probably try this cherry Doppelschwartz. Cause we, you know, it's been, it's been sitting there for a while. You know, we make sure it's shelf stable. <laughs> Well, you know, so we'll 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 crack one open, get a little taste, and we're uh, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back in a couple of months. <laughs> we're going from the old days to the here and now in uh, the Midwest and uh, locally in Milwaukee, sure. and maybe you know wherever you expand your process in the Midwest. What are some of your favorite local craft beers and craft breweries? Right craft now? breweries. You know, I I'm I'm good friends with a couple guys locally. Good friends with Third Space, Eagle Park, boys from Milwaukee Brewing Company. I, I gotta give you know as far as the barrel age game because I, I love me some barrel aged products. You know, 
and I try to play in that realm um, as much as they let me. But I got to give it hands down to Central Waters. I mean, those guys are yeah. absolutely phenomenal. I love what they're doing. I, I was at their place a couple months ago for a Master Brewers conference and got the tour down the Simon, freaking. Simon's wow. killing it. Yeah. Oh, dude, it is awesome. Like walking down that hallway of nothing but barrels. It's, it's something I wish I had. I wish I'd be able to get the opportunity to play with. But I was just there uh, this past weekend for the, uh, the Central Waters CW Maple for the beanies, trees, maple mm-hmm. bourbon barrels. Uh, Central Waters is doing such amazing things with their barrel aging yeah, program. That it, this is an interesting question because you talked about uh, what barrels could be after three months and mm-hmm. how, how how much barrel character you can get within three months. The interesting part is Central Waters is doing that stuff for like three years. Three years on their Black Gold, two years on their Central Waters uh, anniversary beers. You've done some stuff for two years as opposed to a shorter amount of time. Where do you fall on the barrel aging? And uh, something that we always ask a lot of our uh, our brewers, where do you fall on the uh, the cellar aging? So after a beer has been Ooh, bought, okay. After yeah. it's been it's been barrel aged and after it's been bought, where do you fall on the cellar aging? Do you think it's a it's a fun experiment or do you think there's a there's a, a real reason to age some of those oh, beers? Man. You know, so can I just let me let me start with the cellar aging portion of it. Some of it does make sense, especially if you still have critters in your beer. And when I mean critters, I mean whether it's back to, you know live bacteria, yeast. Obviously, there's going to be a maturation process going on in that bottle it, like for us we, we don't really worry about it too much one because i'm overly paranoid so i aseptically filter everything before going you know coming out of a barrel and i still i still pasteurize it so there's kind of a, a twofold because i don't want anything live in my bottle so when i when i produce beer it's like all right as soon as it's out it's it's that's that's as best it's as good as it's gonna get maybe there is some maturation that improves flavor maybe there's some oxidation that kind of balances out something else so and that, that is very very viable with some and very very much yeah, a do, do you think you lose beers. do you think you lose anything with the process that you go through where uh, I, mean, I mean sometimes I, there's things that happen that you don't expect but with, with the process that you go through it sounds very aseptic so yeah the the aseptic portion I do strip a lot of the essence from the from the barrel aged beers themselves but to me, it's kind of like uh, you know, end game reward. Am I, do I know my beer is going to be clean and I'm not going to have any issues once it's bottled? Yes. If I was to just pull it out of the bo- out of the barrel, send it to my tank, now I have the possibility of inoculating my tank with something I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> which it, and that's a big tank. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> which could, which could run rampant and then move from <laughs> tank to tank, and then I could have a larger scale problem. It's a legitimate concern. Do you move from your scale though to like larger systems? Yes. For what you're doing? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we uh, so a lot of our stuff feeds the Milwaukee plant, feeds the Texas plant. Um, so. It, we feed everything. Okay. I mean, so I'm feeding breweries that are. I can't really talk too much to some of the other breweries. It's but a, it's a risk reward. But yeah, for everything that we're feeding to, let's just say Texas, because I came from there, so I know. I mean, you're feeding 1,100 yeah. barrel. Oof. I mean, kettles yeah. and yeah. 600 yeah. barrel kettles. I think here there are 500. I could be wrong. Uh, I think there's four, five, four, whatever, multiple 500 barrels. So I mean, the scale scale up is huge. What's a f- too what's much a few for people to comprehend? Yeah, what's a few kettles <laughs> between friends? Yeah, right, right. So well, that, then that's that's why we we are we kind of we feel the hurt first is it's better off to figure out a problem at a 10 barrel scale 
them moving it up to seven. So I would have forces you to be extremely careful as well. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're very meticulous. I mean, we record keeping everything. I mean, we we were made to mimic the big breweries. That was that was our job for the scale up purposes. So really, coming off that, and I'm going to put you a little bit on the stage here, Kane. Uh-oh. Though, well, is I'm, there any benefit to bottle conditioning? Yes. I, I mean, it, that's. I mean, you talk to the Belgians right there. I mean, everything's about <laughs> auto condition with it. Despite the risk, obviously. I mean, you do everything to minimize risk, and that's your job. But that's what you get oh, paid sure, for. Sure. I mean, you, you do think about, it. yes, there is there is a risk. Maybe <laughs> maybe the secondary fermentation in the bottle doesn't go well, and you get zero carbonation, right? There is there's more of a risk factor with that. But, yeah, I, I do say there is a you know foolproof kind of good reason for secondary conditioning. Certain beers. Certain beers don't need it. But again, if you're talking like Belgian realm, yes. So we, we used to have a couple of Belgian beers under our portfolio, St. Stephanus, Red Shield. And so beers like that were bottle conditioned. I mean, they were phenomenal products. You know, could I probably mimic that force carving? Eh, probably not. In all reality, I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, constantly the, that constant learn factor would i like to oh yeah heck, heck yeah i'd like to try to mimic it right you know exactly just like the milk style you know yeah. who, who else has a non-dairy milk style out there i mean yeah. there's there's so much technology out there i mean even in the whiskey industry you're having chemically modified whiskeys that are supposed to mimic certain age like a certain age of barrel aging it's it's crazy you know the technology the knowledge base that's out there the chemical engineering yeah the chemical engineering yeah it's it's crazy one thing i want to know about is that we keep on talking about this barrel age program yes what about sours <laughs> well okay so do we hit pause and get a sour we can do that oh i think it's gonna happen i got i only have, i think okay, it's gonna happen. okay it's not a true sour it's okay it's not a true sour the sour the sour business it's kind it's kind of cut to a minimum for us we we do the very kind of bare bones just for the fact that we don't want to inoculate any, any of our <laughs> equipment and again if i do a sour or something in a barrel a, it gets aseptically filtered before it even touches a tank we did tropic thunder <laughs> last year which was a uh, sour ipa so and it wasn't overly sour it just had a little little slight tang to it from from the organic acids okay but it was a blend of five different beers into a previously used a sour barrel that i had wow. so i had just kept re-inoculating i mean this barrel i think i probably ripped through it five times so it was probably the fifth time when it got that ipa into it so we originally did it for um our vp of ops that retired we did a cherry sour for him nice. uh, so dr Ryder, i'm sure a lot of people have heard his name Oh, um, uh, now working at City Lights. Yep, yep, there you go. Yeah, so we did a retirement beer for them, and it was a cherry sour. Oh, that was a fun beer. We did uh, three different three different barrels, all red wine barrels, but we did uh, Brett, Malacto, and Lacto. Wow, awesome. And then blend, awesome blend for the Milwaukee King of Yeast. I mean, really, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. That's fantastic. So we do dabble. We do dabble in that. It's a little, you it's know, challenging. Mellow, it's a little challenging, it's a little mellowed down. Yeah. It, it um, is for being aseptic and... Really, we think about a lot of mixed fermentation or wild yeast is putting your beer out in the open, which is the antithesis of what you do Yeah, to be as aseptic as possible. Well, yeah. we, we are very fortunate to have, like, like I said, our, our corporate labs upstairs. So, you know, even though it's not, it's not complete their job, we, we harass our, our micro guys upstairs and they, they help us out and really support us to 
to keep a clean process throughout. And, and I would imagine that must excite them just a touch. They actually <laughs> look at some microbes rather than say, oh, yeah, this is a clean beer, this is a clean beer. A little bit. I mean, obviously, when something pops out, you know you know, there's a problem, right? So, so it's like, yeah, it's the good and the bad. It's like, ooh, cool, but, oh, crap. <laughs> All right, well, I think... We've taken enough of your time. You have a day to get to, <laughs> but it's not—it's not, it's not going to happen. So, that, oh, it sounds like you guys want the Frankenberry. That lovely oh, lady. We do. Oh, okay. Oh man. Yeah, the murmurs say yes. Are we going to have that? Yeah, I'll pull. How about I pull you a Frankenberry and a uh, chocolate lager to finish it? When we come back, we're going to have those two beers, and we're going to talk about Flying Hippo. Okay. We'll be right back. We're back, Kane. What you got for us, man? Right, you went into the vault, right? I went into the vault, yes. I, you know, you guys are talking about kind of sours and bacteria. And so I uh, pulled out Frankenberry, which is kind of a monster that we created. So, again, <laughs> I tell you about the whole blending portion of it. So this is a hodgepodge of a couple beers I blended together with raspberry puree. Put it into a sour barrel briefly. So just to get the organic acids up there from the lacto that was in the barrel. Not to get any barrel component, but just get a little bit of organic acid. So it went in there for probably a month and then came right back out and we finished it off. Now, um, are these like uh, something that you saved from uh, going down the drain? or uh, is So, this, uh, so th- this was a second use barrel. So we actually, um, we made a beer called Salted Pleasure. It was essentially our uh, chocolate lager on steroids. It was a high grab chocolate lager with some modifications to the recipe to just get it a little more robust and we barrel aged it in bourbon barrels and so we emptied it let the barrel sit for a bit and then refilled them with this guy and some raspberry puree and refermented a little bit it's, so it's there really there are nice. no there there is no cereal in here whatsoever <laughs> it's the reason the frankenberry was one the berry because the raspberries and the frank because it is complete hodgepodge like i said about five different beers in here just a whole little blend but this really goes to show how beer blending can really enhance a beer and i don't want to say rescue it but really create a whole new beer upon itself R- blending and cutting is is the name of the game my friend and a lot of guys don't like it you know they use the word dilution uh, I hate that word. It's a bad word. Uh, There's no dilution. You didn't put we, water we, in here. We, we use cut. We cut product. So we are naturally high-gravity brewers. So I wish I had some of this for you guys, but Coors Light is a 9% beer. We brew it at 9%. What? what? Stock Coors Light is awesome. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, this is like... Gotcha journalism. No, yeah, this is journalism. So it's just like when uh, people say that Guinness is better at the tap in Ireland, (laughs) that kind of thing. Uh, Oh no, it's just better fresher. Can I get a nine percent Coors in uh, in Colorado? I think that's the freshness part. No, but again, we're high high gravity brewers. We think in the mindset of being able to utilize your equipment to peak efficiency to produce the most that you can out of what you have right so if you have a three barrel brew house if you were to give me a three barrel brew house i would instantly do a couple extra installs of pieces of equipment and i'd be brewing like i had a six barrel you know so it's the science mixed in with the art is being able to utilize your equipment what what would be your first six beers on a six-barrel brew house. You have your own your own brew house. My own brew house. Total hypothetical. You got your own brew house. What would be your first six beers? I mean, your basics. Light lager. Well, actually, no. I changed that up. So I would have a lager, either light lager, regular lager, pale ale, your IPA, your stout, a flavored malt beverage. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's where a lot of people don't kind of, they'll be like, oh, what? Yes. 
I would have a flavored malt beverage of some sort. And then the last one is kind of the the goose chase, whether I wanted to go a little sour or I wanted to do some barrel aging and yeah. What what sort of IPA would you go for? Would you go uh, the New England style routes or Hell would you? Uh... No. What are your thoughts on that? Because we've been no. all over the board. From fad to like it's here to stay. <laughs> so I, I've I've shaken the gate multiple times with this because I've had a lot of you know fans and friends be like, so when when are you making a hazy IPA? When yeah, are you making a, yeah, like, came like, when I was like, never. <laughs> um, I won't do it. So <laughs> okay. why not? Why not? Do you want my honest opinion? Or yes. the, yeah, the, the fluffed opinion. No, honest. No, no, honest. honestly, I mean because it's. Beer's a consumption game. I'll tell you what, give so. us the opinion that we're going to confront you with in two years when you start <laughs> making the opinion. Yeah, I still won't be doing that. In my opinion, obviously, it's become a category, and there are some brewers that are doing it well, right? They, they are doing yeah. a good job on it. But my biggest gripe is that it's opened up the gate for poor processing and poor production. That's that's kind of been my, my biggest pet peeve and, like, anti- haze because you're getting guys that are like oh yeah if i just you know rack a glass off the off the bottom of my fermenter and it's all yeast that's a hazy ipa uh, no not quite and i first experienced this when i went to cbc in uh in dc and we we, we got a this is my my first time grabbing a new england ipa i was like oh what the heck is this you know had it and i'm like looking at it it's all hazy and chunky and i mean I'm used to making crystal clear beers, you know, that are shelf stable, you know, calorically stabilized. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. I didn't really know how to take it. I took a sip. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like I just sucked the bottom of my fermenter. Jeez. <laughs> and, and, and like, it's so chunky, you can chew it. I, so that right there, I mean, nope, not for me. Do you think that's okay. your background with like just quality control? That, that I, I, kinda think, I think part of it, part of it is that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. It, 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 maybe, is there may, any maybe, ch- maybe it's just my niche as a brewer where I want to make like the highest quality product that can stay on the shelf the longest. You know, yeah, it's shelf it, I mean, stability. It's all right? about shelf stability, man. At the end of the day, uh, leads towards clear beer. Yeah, at the for end, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, you have something on the shelf. It can be a phenomenal product, but if it goes, goes bad after a week or two, then well, hey, there you go. Well, that's the whole what's, point what's of those that, beers. Right? It's like you have to drink yeah, them like in the first well, it is. couple that, weeks, and that shouldn't be the case. That should not. Yeah. Now, well, now, if I'm making something that's supposed to be cloudy, supposed to be you know look hazy, then I'll incorporate other techniques. Maybe I'll you know force force chill haze to uh, incorporate that hazy character. But maybe, you know, it's it's still as shelf-stable as any other product. It's so don't you view it as a challenge, though? I oh, mean, I yeah. would challenge oh, God, you yeah. today, throw down. But I still won't make you one. <laughs> <laughs> so if one of us was to put that six-barrel brew system in our basement, would you move in rent for <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be I'd be tempted. Andy, Andy's asking for a friend. <laughs> Before we no, wrap it up, we got one more beer. So, Kane, you can tell us about that beer, but I want to talk about the Flying Hippo. The Flying Hippo, all right. Yeah, so let's talk about the Flying Hippo and the last pour. What do you got for Okay, us? the last pour I got for you guys is Frederick Miller's Chocolate Lager, all right? So this is kind of a seasonal staple. We this is are the Christmas one, This right? is the Christmas beer, yes, that they always uh, showcase at the Holiday Lights here on the General Miller Tour. Um, we are the Which, o- by the way... You should come down to Miller Valley and see because they are spectacular. We are the only producers of this beer currently. I remember when this Frederick Miller came out a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago actually, as a bottled product from Miller. And I think this uh, chocolate one was one of the first. They maybe had uh, three or four Frederick Miller 
beers out there. Where is that line at? Is, is that completely done? Is there any idea about bottling some of the experimental brews that uh, you guys are coming up with? The French Miller Chocolate Lager was actually released in 06. It was a one-time release, and that was kind of like during that whole Miller-Coors merger that was going on. So again, again, it was one of those beers that fell at the wayside, right? Where like, It really was released, and then eh, kind of put it in storage. But... We've made it every single year for our local kind of holiday lights and our tour center every year. It just, it only comes from us. We may produce it again commercially, but since 06, this will be the, the year that we sell it again. So it's actually going to be sold on select accounts around Milwaukee. Um, also, our tour center is actually giving crawlers, they're selling crawlers of it. And then, of course, pouring it on the tour, the, new, the newly paid for tour that they established. So new tour routes and everything. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of cool. You know, now it's, it's finally getting some traction. With that, we've worked with some of the marketing guys. So there's some new beers that we're producing that they may actually pump out to select accounts. So, again, I was telling you that that IPA we did for the third space IPA competition. Yeah. That's on the, that's on the, on the docket to become uh, sellable. So you may be seeing that 2019. We're going to be doing the 1855 from Miller as well. And then one of our dry hopped Hefeweizens. When we came in here, you had all these set up, these little uh, flying hippo for us. Tell us about that and what that means to you. Okay, so so I, I handed you guys some little like stress relief hippos. Let's say flying hippo Miller Coors on them. So we're currently sitting in the flying hippo. And this was a room that was established for meetings, conference rooms, you know, getting some of our, our reps in here. Not only that, it's also uh, half of the room is set up for consumer studies. So Uncle Sam, you know, it's got the Uncle Sam cameras watching you <laughs> for whenever we get consumers kind of <laughs> big brother, do, yeah, big brother watching, doing their ballots and whatnot. But Hippo stands for highly innovative product and packaging opportunities. So it's it's kind of the idea of big ideas getting their wings. So so we have a, a mural outside that's the you know big old hippo with wings kind of taking off, and it's you know big ideas taking off. So are there plans within corporate to make hippo more than it is today no it, it's kind of just our little our little no, it's just a little idea. inside joke yeah it's our little inside joke our little idea complex down here so we're not going to see the flying hippo brew pub no not down on stage no though you could recommend that I'd, by the way I, i'd probably first recommend an mvb <laughs> brew pub down, you know down on state but that's a little bit more uh, on, <laughs> on, on target. For yeah. So, Kane Escobar, as we wrap this up, everybody wants to know, why exactly would you stick in a, a position where you're doing experimentation, but you're not actually able to, to actually sell those beers? Why, why would you stay in this position as opposed to, you know, sticking it out and uh, creating your own brewery? So, I mean, at, at the moment, I think, I think the biggest thing is the knowledge base. I, I mean, right? Everyone, everyone wants to grow, grow themselves, and, and grow their own knowledge and capability, right? So, to me, th- this is the a good fundamental place to do that. I mean, I, I play around with things that you know, s- small crafters can only you know wish they had, right? Some of the equipment, some of the technology. So it's kind of it's kind of nice being at the forefront of all that those new nuances you know kind of coming at you. Yeah, like we said, you've got the opportunity to work with hops and yeah. laboratories oh, yeah. and processes that other people have sure. are, are light years away from. You know, ten years sometimes exactly. away from. So uh, that's got to be a huge advantage in your uh, your education and and your ability to uh, to move on as a brewer once upon a time. Yeah, of course. I mean, will I be here forever? Probably, probably not. 
not, in all honesty. But in in, the, in this moment, you know, it's always, uh, hey, knowledge is power, right? G.I. Joe. No, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it is in, in a sense. I mean, you're you're constantly it wanting is. to learn. You're you're constantly wanting to build your rapport and with uh, with the local community with with the local knowledge base and the. I mean, I learned so much from the guys locally on the small craft side, and then I'm able to share what what I'm doing on my level to a certain extent, right? But even then, I'm getting hit with all these all these these new 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 innovative technologies and processes and it's in a sense it's kind of mind-blowing sometimes you're like wow i get to do what <laughs> so yeah. yeah it is it's it's really cool it's you're constantly learning and that's kind of the name of the game right if you're if you're not learning you're you've, you've stalled out and you're you're standing at a stand standstill right so but at some point, you really want to share this with the public, right? Oh, you of course, wanna, of course, and that's that is you want to show off, dude. Yeah, I know. That's that's my hard that's my hardest thing that really gets to me all the time is, again, being being able to pump out some of these very cool beers. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you know, most of them will probably never see the shelf, right? Yeah, even if it was just like a, a Miller Miller Time Pub release. That, you know, yeah, and so that that is kind of the uh, the current opportunities that we're working with our marketing teams. Like I said, we've gotten the right people in place that are really starting to support us. You know, they're putting a lot of attention towards us and fueling that movement. So maybe in the near future, hopefully 2019, 2019 will bring a, a different story, and you'll see a lot of our products. You know, maybe at select select accounts. Well, I mean, to all our listeners, you should definitely uh, any beer festival you're at that that Miller Valley. Oh at, yeah. You guys need to check them out. They yeah. won't know, but maybe we'll add a little something to our social media because you know that's that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, any any fe- or any festival I go to, please, you're more than welcome. Stop by, shoot the shit, drink some beers, get some knowledge if you need. I mean, it, I, we're very open ended, very open booked, and just enjoy some good beers. At the end of the day, it's just just drinking good beer. That's that's the that's the name of the game, right? So. <laughs> so we get we should wrap it up thank you so much for your time so for myself jesus uh, this is jim andy here Kane. this is alex this has been another solid non-fill productions no more beer.